0: welcome to schneider electrics the good the bad and the beautiful podcast every month you will be joined by me carmel me emma and me rob who will talk about real experiences from real people with some special guests along the way don't forget to share like and subscribe
1: Hello everyone and welcome back. It's the fourth episode of The Good, The Bad and The Beautiful. Can you believe it? This month we are going to peek into some more diary pages. This time it's from Emma. And our special guest this month is John Hedrington, who is a member of our well-being team here at Schneider. And we catch up with him to have a chat about mental health and the stigma attached to it, well-being and some of his top tips to keep ourselves in check. And of course, no BB podcast is complete without the quiz. Rob is currently 0 for 3 at the moment could this be the start of a comeback or will he cheat again who knows right so let's get into it I've actually had a pretty good week so far the sun's shining and I'm in the office and I bumped into a few colleagues I haven't seen in absolutely ages but I actually wanted to speak with you both about something today specifically and that is date night so I met up with a friend last week and he was like oh my god date nights are dead and what I want to know is that true for you too
0: So I would say no, it's not dead. My partner recently bought me a dates poster. So we've been looking at doing some different activities rather than the usual dinner and drinks. And So it's more about stepping out of our comfort zone, doing things together. And most recently, we went go karting it's something I haven't done a lot of and I was sort of nervous to start with but first round I was a bit slow second round my competitive side came out and I was thrashing it around the course bumps and bruises <laughs> to uh, to go with that um, but it was a lot of fun and I would definitely be doing that again and our next plan is to actually go bouldering and that is wall climbing it's not rolling big rocks and again I can't wait.
2: So I would also say that date nights are not dead. However, I think my pace of life sounds a little bit slower than Emma's. And I'm feeling a little bit boring now. So me and my wife, we do a, lot, a load of board game nights. So, you know, we, we we love a good theme. So, you know, we'll play, we you know, articulate things like that. But we also do the more in-depth board games too. So we have like co-op Lord of the Rings games because I'm, I'm a massive geek like that. But at the same time, we'll have like mead on the go and the lord of the rings theme song playing in the background and just get fully immersed into it and you know we make a whole evening of it so you know we love to do that kind of thing and we also do like labyrinth labyrinthine ones as well we have that soundtrack playing so it sounds really sad but i really love it and we also you know we do things like escape rooms and stuff like that when you're going pre-lockdown so we do some kind of exciting things but i think we've we've talked about competitive sides right so i get quite competitive as well and she kind of panics so dating my nights maybe don't always go the way we had hoped so
1: (laughs) but they're not dead absolutely not dead my god i've seen you know getting a bit sad now i need to go spruce up my date night so we did an online art class together which is actually quite nice had a glass of wine did some art together but i'm just like you rob because i get really competitive so things like monopoly have been banned from our house because One, the game takes about eight hours. And two, honestly, my husband cheats and I just can't stand cheaters. I just go ballistic about that. But yeah, yeah, the art class was the last one. I have to come, might get that poster now, Emma. Sounds really intriguing.
0: I recommend the poster, I really do. Because if you're lost for ideas, they're there, ready and waiting for you. And you actually get to scratch them off. So it's a little bit of fun. You get to scratch yeah, each one cool. off once you do it. But, you know, what about, let me throw this one out there, Singing. Does anyone sing with their partners? Um, you know, which reminds me, Carmel, how did you get on with your opera
1: application?
2: So um, I heard the radio broke when they played her audition. How dare
1: you? How dare you? And for those of you that don't know, I did an application to be an opera singer and I didn't get in. No, they didn't even bother to get it back to me or anything. I was just like, that's really sad.
2: I can't but imagine yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we'll speak Is that about because this you were later.
0: Were you not bad enough is that the whole point oh actually don't, emma you don't, you're do, this
1: right. to emma. Emma. don't <laughs> do this emma yeah i think that's actually it because it was for really bad singers to turn them into opera singers so thank you emma yes i don't think i was bad enough great i'll take that with me i'll take that with me
2: Funnily enough, coming back to Emma's question about do you sing together? My wife's birthday's coming up soon and I made a makeshift karaoke machine using a guitar amp I have and we were in my office a few weeks ago doing a test run and we ended up sitting in there for about an hour with disco lights on the go, taking it in turns to sing karaoke songs. So,
0: I, <laughs> I love mean, that. Yeah,
2: I, I guess we do sing together. So Emma, Dear Diary is back again, and this time it's your turn to open your journal pages and share with us. So, what's been going on?
0: Okay, so here we go, my turn. Dear Diary, the last few weeks I have been getting out more and more with my family and friends, just trying to get back to normality where I can, although I haven't actually been back into an office for a while. It's on the cards and I'm definitely looking forward to it. It has been a mixture of emotions for me though. Being isolated from the real world for so long has brought its challenges. It felt almost weird to be social again, like I needed a do's and don'ts list to go by. Just remembering how to dress outside of loungewear was definitely a struggle and let's not even talk about putting on makeup, that was stressful to say the least. This weekend, I was out for the first time in a proper crowd, you know, bumping shoulders with actual human beings that I didn't even know. And, you know, at the time, I was fine living my best life. But actually, since then, slight anxiety has crept up on me. And it's what I call the COVID cloud. So, you know, on one side, I'm enjoying life. But on the other, it comes with this lingering worry. I guess this is just the new
1: normal. Thanks, Emma. I think that analogy of the COVID cloud, I think we can all relate to that really, you know, I think it's a bit of excitement, a bit of anxiety, you know, it's all a mixture, isn't it? And I think it's beginning to accept that it is a mixture. One day we'll, you'll feel something and maybe one day you'll feel the next. I think when we first thought of sharing our diary entries, I, I think I remember as a top tip that I had got from my psychologist to help me reflect on my days, but also look back to certain times and dates, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, I guess. But it definitely helps me to keep my emotions in check, which is why we thought it was such a good idea to share that, which I think brings us nicely into our focus for this episode, which is mental health and well-being. So World Suicide Prevention Day was in September this year and World Mental Health Day was in October. Now, I don't know what it's like for everyone else, but I do feel the conversation has really grown up from our personal lives to conversations with our friends, colleagues, and even making a, a priority at companies. So according to the World Health Organization, about 800,000 people worldwide take their lives, and suicide is the leading cause of death of people aged 15 to 29. According to Medical News Today, in the United Kingdom, it was found in studies that 25% of people said that their anxiety and depression during lockdown got significantly worse. And so that's really why... When we thought about you know what we were going to talk about today and what was really important to not just us, but topics that everyone around us are discussing, we thought it'd be great to get John to to come along. Now, John's a long term member of our wellbeing team in the UK, and is he's a real advocate of the cause. And we wanted to learn more about his insights on the topic. You know how we can look out for each other and what we can do for ourselves.
3: Thank you, Carmel. It's great to be here, and I'm really pleased that you you've asked me to come along because. I like to take every opportunity I can to mention mental health and well-being because they're such important topics, especially, as you said, with the anxiety around the the COVID cloud. So just a little background from me. You were mentioning anniversaries and stuff. I've actually been married for 25 years. My eldest has flown the coop and my, my daughter is 15 and just starting her GCSEs, so that brings its own anxieties with a GCSE year. I'm a chartered member of the Institute of Personnel Development, I've been for 17 years. I worked in operational HR and training for over 25 years, so that gives you a clue I'm a little bit older than you guys and I worked for Schneider for 14 years, currently as a training advisor in the Safety Academy uh, based at Telford. So I've been an advocate for well-being for many years and originally it started with what we called welfare, probably 20 plus years ago in operational HR. We used to get sick notes in and say, oh Fred's off, he's off with stress, or somebody's off, they've broken their leg. And it was very reactive. So we'd go out and visit these people and give them what help and support we could from, from an HR perspective. But I'm really pleased to, to see that over that period of time, it's now grown into well being, which is much more proactive. And that's where we give people some hints, tips, and advice and some training around the things they can do to help their mental well being and their resilience.
0: Thanks, John, and thank you so much for joining us. So I think the best place for us to start here is to try and define mental health. What are your thoughts on this?
3: Mental well-being is the ability to observe, train and manage your mind. It's being aware of your thoughts, your beliefs and your perceptions, being able to concentrate and focus, cope with the stressors whilst functioning productively. If we imagine a line, at the right hand end, we have excellent mental health, which is someone who's relaxed, has a high level of mental resilience. Most people rarely reach that category. In fact, studies by my colleague, Dr. Andy Cope, suggest that only 2% of us in the UK are in that area. At the left hand end of the line, we have people suffering from mental ill health. Those people will require therapy, medication and support, to move forward in their lives. Most of us are somewhere in the middle of the two extremes. One in four people in the UK experience mental health issues at some point in a year, or the other figure they quote is that one in six people will report experiencing a mental health issue each week, with the most common of those being depression and or anxiety. This therefore gives us a huge challenge, and it has been made worse by the COVID-19 pandemic. I think what's really important to remember is that this situation is dynamic. It will change with your life experiences. It can even change in a day. So one thing I'd suggest you do is have a look around you. We've looked at these statistics. So think about your team, think about your family, think about your group of friends. There may well be people in that group who are silently struggling with mental ill health, but they don't want to talk about it. So look for signals, look for signs. Are they smoking more? Have they withdrawn? Are they snappy when they talk to you? You don't have to be an expert to talk about mental health. Just ask them how they're feeling, letting them know you're there for them and give some time to them.
2: Yeah you, you know John this was this was a really key learning for me right when I when I was thinking about or being taught about even mental health versus mental illness um this concept you talked about of a line it was first kind of talked to me as a, as a matrix and you can kind of see the four quadrants and where you might sit on that and that idea of it being dynamic you know you don't put yourself somewhere and you stay there for a whole week but it's kind of having that self awareness and understanding and kind of thinking okay this is how I feel today and then, you know, you might have a pick me up and you feel better and it's great and you get out of it. But, you know, if you're kind of in this negative position for a couple of weeks and you're consistently in there, then you start to ask yourself some more questions. And you start to think about, OK, what's causing this? And you try and take change behaviors, I guess, to to fix that. But understanding that differentiation, you know, like, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm having some bad days. My, my mental health is quite bad right now. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm mentally ill. You can take some action you can get out of it you know and I, I think it helps facilitate that understanding for myself but also as you've just said that discussion with other people as well so you know just that check in when people say you know that the ask if people are okay twice rule so you know you can do that and start the conversation And i think it's kind of easiest to, to ask someone if they're feeling okay and you can have those mental health conversations and it, it doesn't have to be you know a bigger wider issue so that for me was a really key learning when, when i've been through this
3: in the past Yeah, there's a couple of points there, Rob. Good points. Ask people twice. There's an analogy by Dr. Alan Mandel, And he says, imagine holding a glass of water. So you're holding it. You can hold it comfortably for 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes. But if you keep holding it and you don't let go of it after an hour, two hours, your arm's going to start to ache. And you've got to let go. You've got to put it down. Or you've got to get someone to help you to put it down.
2: I I think another point is, I would say as well, uh, coming back to what you said, is I think for any non Brits listening, I think it's quite a British thing to say, how are you, as a way of saying hello, and then the polite and expected response to go, I'm fine, thank you, how are you, I'm fine, thank you, and you carry on. So by asking twice, you're basically saying, no, it's a genuine question, how are you? And then it earns a different response most times. So yeah, that's a simple trick that I learned for sure
0: thank you both really interesting and some great points there which leads me onto my next question really what about well-being in general because it's not just about mental health is it
3: absolutely it's absolutely not just about about mental health i use uh, a model with four dimensions to it there's the physical well-being that's what we do to and with our bodies so it's sleep it's fitness nutrition but also very importantly, it's regular rest and renewal. People forget that bit. From a mental health perspective, that's another element. Then we've got the emotional well-being, and this is about cultivating positive emotions. Having good emotional health is a fundamental aspect of resilience, and we need to be resilient at the moment. There's lots of things coming and hitting us all the time. We need to also be self-aware, and overall content. The final piece of the jigsaw, the fourth quadrant, is the social well being. And this is the one where we get a sense of belonging or inclusion, something that we can do to support others, uh, find a meaning. We call it our why. You write down my, what your why is. And it's very important to understand what your why is. And it's very important to also get a job in an organization which has similar values to yours and that's probably one of the reasons I've stayed so long at Schneider because my why and my social elements are very very similar to what Schneider want to do so the other thing to think about is to check in on ourselves because you know how do we know how we're feeling if we don't actually measure it sometimes we can feel great other days we feel a bit under par and we may not actually know why that is. We just feel a bit So So it's, it's working out what that is. You can't fix a problem if you don't know what the problem is. And there's various metrics out there that you could use such as the form score or I forget, that Rob Stevenson has, if you can look that up online. So think about what makes you feel good And what makes you feel not so good do more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff
0: thanks john so basically a good place to start is understanding yourself you know how you feel and then once you have that idea and you know where you're at you can then you know keep yourself in check but it'd be great to hear about what things we can actually do to keep ourselves in check because i know from my own personal perspective I probably don't do that very well. And I know that regular rest and renewal is definitely something I don't do very well. So it'd be great to hear some tips from you on how we can keep ourselves in check.
3: Absolutely. Yes. And no problem with doing that. The first thing I'd say is there is no one size fits all. There's not some golden bullet magic potion that if you do this one thing, it will make you feel brilliant for the rest of your life. Everyone's different. Everyone has going through different experiences and has different outlooks on life. So it's important to think about what's going to work for you. I recommend something called layering. And layering is where you take a number of small actions and you put them together and they can have a big impact on your well-being. You've got to make sure that these actions are achievable because if you're feeling a little bit down in the dumps and you set yourself an unachievable goal. That isn't going to make you feel any better. It's not going to help. You might want to take some advice from friends about things they've done that work for them, but remember, it does need to be personal to you. Remember to do these things on a regular basis, not just when you think you need them. Practice makes perfect, and things such as mindfulness get easier the more you do them. Once you've done them for a number of months, they'll become healthy habits and they will help you build your resilience.
0: So when you talk about mindfulness then, John, um, or just tips to keep yourself in check, what do you do yourself?
3: Okay, my go-to stress buster is cycling my my road bike. It ticks a lot of boxes for me. It's great exercise. I use something called Strava, which is a, an app which sets challenges to encourage me to go out when it's raining and cold and wet. I'm an all year cyclist. (laughs) It helps me relax mentally because I've got to fully concentrate on the road and cars and tractors and all sorts of things. And it gets me into a really good environment because I love being outside and I can very soon get into the Derbyshire lanes. So I feel at one with nature. I'm breathing in the fresh air. and and pushing myself on on the bike. So I I do that two or three times a week if I can. I practise mindfulness each evening. It helps me prepare for a good night's sleep. And I also do that sometimes during the day if I'm struggling to concentrate or I feel I need to relax. I'll go for a walk at lunchtime and i leave my phone behind. And by doing that, it gives me a break from my computer So it slows down my blink rate, it improves my breathing, it gets me to refocus my eyes, so you less headaches. It refreshes me, gives me some light exercise. And again, I just love being outside. So when I'm working, if I start to feel a bit of pressure, something that is good that anyone can do is I just look at my desktop background. I've got a picture on my desktop, which is of when we were on holiday in Wales this year. And I just look at that for a couple of minutes and think about the, with gratitude, the joy we had as a family on that day. And that really helps ground me and, and bring me back into control.
0: That's really great, John. And, you know, I think you've given some really personal tips there. And it is a very personal thing because some things work for others. And might not work for you. And, you know, we all have very different things that we enjoy. So, Carmel, Rob, you know, is there anything that you do?
2: Absolutely. And I I guess just to echo the sentiment, right, this is very personal because... When I think about John's well-being day of mindfulness and road cycling in the rain around that <laughs> it sounds absolutely horrible and stressful to me, to be honest. Um, I'm not a cyclist. It sounds like my worst nightmare. And when I try and practice mindfulness, my head goes around in circles and circles and I get agitated. So, yeah, they don't work for me. So what I normally do is I get my guitar, thrash out my guitar. You know, if I'm feeling frustrated, I slam some power chords and it's angry and I shout a little bit and then if I'm just trying to chill out it's you know a bit of chords and picking but it helps me just kind of focus on something but everything else goes so it just helps me reset and you know I'll do that at any time I'll do that if I can't sleep I'll do that first thing in the morning to get me going I'll do it if I've had a you know a few calls in a row you know whenever it it suits me and that's that's kind of my go-to really.
3: I bet your neighbours love you Rob. (laughs) (laughs)
2: no comment
1: Um, so what I do is I I actually really like mindfulness I think it really works for me I think if I leave it for a week or so I think it does have an impact on me I think I just have to keep going and like you said John it was you know building up that kind of as if it's a habit right if you keep doing it a bit every day and one other thing that I like to do just between meetings um, if we're talking about that I just go in my garden and sit on the grass and I just stare up at the sky because I just love the colour of the sky. and it's that's really sad, but I'm just in the moment and I just concentrate on whatever's flying by, if it's an airplane, if it's a red kite. Yeah, and it really soothes me. So it's quite nice.
3: That's a great example, Carmel. That one of the things we encourage people to do if they are feeling a little bit stressed is to look up, especially if they can be outside, because that really brings it home to you that you're, you're going from an inward focusing, oh, I'm stressed, I'm thinking about this, to a very much outward focusing and wow i'm actually just a really small piece of a really amazing jigsaw well john i just did that and i've seen a crack in my ceiling now so <laughs>
2: <I'm> more special <stressed laughs> when i started so thank you very much for that what what about you emma what are do you do?
0: well i'm avoiding looking up in case i see too many cobwebs <laughs> to be honest <laughs> but i'm with you a little bit rob on mindfulness i do struggle with it i've practiced it on and off for for years now and um, but i just find it you know sometimes a little bit hard to focus but you know having my two dogs actually really helps they're great when it comes to just taking some time out whether it's just chilling with them or you take them for a walk but they're very good at soothing my mind And I think they definitely do play a key role in my well-being. And dare I say it, doing some housework, now I sound really sad. And my family, when they listen to this, are going to laugh uncontrollably, probably. But it is a distraction, basically. So that's really why I would do that. And in fact, we spoke about singing earlier and I did used to sing quite a lot just at home. I'm not professional or anything, but actually it was really good stress relief. So now I've said that out loud, I think maybe I need to get back into that.
2: gold 2 is a fantastic housework album, by the way. So mm,
0: okay,
2: popular one in my household.
0: I like the old power ballads playlists. <laughs> I think, As you can uh,
3: imagine, I think animals is a great thing to talk about, Emma, because they really are a stress reliever. And you know, your dog loves you unconditionally, doesn't it? So it's great to have um, animals around. And and in fact, animals, horses, and dogs are used in uh, in therapy for people who have mental health issues.
0: Yes, I have heard that. It's it's definitely correct it's fantastic when you have the opportunity to have animals and even if you don't you know I do know some people that they borrow animals so you know even you haven't got the opportunity to have a dog or a cat or whatnot it might be that you get chance to spend time with uh, a neighbors or a friend's or take somebody's dog for a walk so there are other options if you aren't in the position to have your own so to all our listeners you can bear that in mind So back to mental well-being, the other thing we wanted to talk about really is the stigma around it, the stigma around opening up and talking about mental health. I would encourage people not to be afraid to talk. And from my own personal experience, you know, that is something actually it took a while to build up to. But, you know, talk about your experiences, talk about how you feel. And people on the other side, the advice is to make sure you check in ask questions, you know, and just make sure that you're aware of what's going on with your friends, family, colleagues. So, you know, any advice around that, John, and, you know, the stigma that comes with mental health?
3: Yeah, there's definitely stigma around mental health. I'll give you two scenarios. Let's say we've got a person called Joe. He's got pneumonia and he's off work. He'll probably put that on Facebook. His friends will all see it. They'll comment and they'll say oh no that's terrible they will probably come around and visit him with a card and a gift and wish him a speedy recovery so when he gets back to work his friends will come oh it's great to see you back Joe glad you're back are you feeling better and then that's how the conversation will go now let's imagine the next year Joe's off work because he's burnt out he's going to tend to keep that a little bit under the radar and he may well say it's not that he may well say it's something else He will be embarrassed. He won't want to tell his employer the reason in case it goes on his HR file. And when he does come back to work, he'll probably come back quietly. And most people will say something quietly to him, but they won't really know what to say and neither will he. So looking at these two scenarios, those are both illnesses, but they're treated in very different ways. So if we look at some of the the stats from MIND, the mental health charity, nearly a third of people, 30%, said they wouldn't want to talk openly to their manager if they were stressed. And only 5% gave the main reason to their employer that they were too stressed to work. The other 95% said it was something else, like an upset stomach or a headache. So they may have burnt out, had a couple of days off, They've gone back to work and, they're, oh yeah, I just had a tummy bug or I had a, a migraine or I had something, but they've, not, they've masked the fact because they're not comfortable, because they feel there'll be implications of saying that. So what we really need to do is create a more open culture where we are able to discuss from both sides, whether it's the person who's struggling or it's the person on the other side, maybe the, the manager or even family members. So we can talk about well-being and tackle the causes of stress. There's some great things going on out there. I mentioned Rob Stevenson earlier on. He's a mental health campaigner and he's really encouraging us to go out and smash the stigma. Another thing we can do is have a network of mental health first aiders. Those people should be fully trained and accredited. And those people are a great way to start a conversation. Sometimes people feel they don't, they're not brave enough to go and speak to a more formal process with their manager or HR, and this gives them the extra option of talking to someone in confidence.
2: So more specifically, John, I've I've been reading a lot about the stigma associated around men and mental health. And I read from mentalhealth.org that around one in eight men have a common mental health problem, such as depression, anxiety, panic disorder, or OCD even. Do you find that a lot of men are open to talk about their mental health?
3: Great question, Rob. Yes, it is difficult, or it seems to be difficult for men to open up about their mental health. they Our ancient brain tells us that we are the alpha male, we're big, we're strong, we don't want to be showing any signs of weakness. But what we're finding is that is changing. Rob Stevenson, who I mentioned in the last paragraph, he's very open about his bipolar issues and how it affects his life. And the more people are open, the more people will follow suit and be able to feel comfortable about talking about it.
0: Brilliant, thank you. So overall, then, if we just look back to mental well-being, mental health in general, you know, if you had three top tips for our listeners on well-being, what would they be?
3: Oh, uh, that's a real tough question because there's so many things it could be. My number one thing would be sleep. Sleep, as research-wise, has been proven to be the most important thing for well-being. My number two would be talk to somebody. I know it sounds easy saying talk to somebody, but you've got to pluck up the courage. You've got to decide who you're going to talk to. We've mentioned a number of routes already from the manager, HR, mental health first aiders, but also there's other bodies such as citizens advice or a family member or a friend. And the most important thing for me about talking to somebody is remember that asking for help is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of wisdom. And my final point would be experiment and building coping strategies. So we talked about layering before and how that can help with well-being. So try a few, see what works for you, see what doesn't. If it works for you, keep doing it, it will form a healthy habit. And by doing that, you'll slowly build up a raft of actions which will have a big impact on your well-being. So good luck on your well-being journey.
0: Thank you, John. It's been really great hearing your insights around this. And I definitely think all of us on the podcast today will take a lot away from this and also will our listeners.
3: Thank you. My pleasure. You. My pleasure.
1: So now moving on from that conversation with John, it's now for the GBB quiz. And as we mentioned earlier on in the episode, Rob, you are zero for three. Um, But that's okay. That's okay. We've got quite a few episodes coming up. Now, the first question for today is, which demographic has the highest rate of suicide in the UK? Is Mm. it A, women aged 15 to 25, B, men aged 40 to 49, or C, men aged 16 to 35?
2: I'm going to get in there quick. I, I, think, I think men 16
0: to 35. Yeah, I was leaning that way. I do think it's the younger age bracket. Um, the correct mm. answer
1: is men aged 40 to 49. Oh, and, no. oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And the thing is, is that men aged 16 to 35, are the levels are actually increasing. But, you know, it was an eye opener for me as well when I was reading those statistics. So question number two. What percentage of respondents in a recent study said their pet helped them cope emotionally with the lockdown? 65%, 80% or 90%? I
0: am going to go with, was it 65%? No, 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 scrap that.
1: 80%? Yes, I,
2: I wanted 90% from the start, so I'll take
1: 90%. So the correct answer is actually 90%. Oh, that's Damn one. It. Point to Rob.
2: I was, I was even polite and let Emma go first on that one.
1: <laughs> but did you also know there's also been an increase of animals suffering from anxiety? So you know, animals tend to, and there's been a stud, quite a few studies that take on the uh, personalities of their owners, etc., and things like that. because our levels have increased over COVID, so have their levels. Um, so quite a few universities have done studies on those. So it's quite interesting to know actually. So this is the final question of this quiz. So, it was International Talk Like a Pirate Day in September. Which charity has this day been organised to raise money for? Is it number one, Childhood Cancer Support? Number two, Marie Curie Cancer Care? Three, both of those charities. Who wants to go first?
2: Do I get a bonus point if I do a voice?
1: No, no, just answer this question.
2: Can I do one anyway?
1: No. Yes. Answer this. Question. No, because that's my bonus question. So don't ruin my... <laughs> right. Answer the question, Rob. Both. One, three. Right. You're going for three. Emma? Yeah, I was going to go for three as well. Okay. That's one point each. Okay. Excellent. So now, thank you for ruining that, John. <laughs> um, sorry, John. Um, John. <laughs> for bonus points, can you give us your best Pirate voice, John. You're going to have to help me. You know, judge this one.
0: Are you going to give us a, a sentence to say?
1: No, no. You can do that anyway. <laughs>
0: it's
1: even better.
2: Rob, you can go first. Poop deck, Percy plop.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, Emma, I'll give, I can give you something. I, I went on a date with. Not I. You went on a date with Hayden. This week or something like that in a pirate voice
0: (laughs) I don't even know how to do a pirate voice (laughs) (laughs) I went on a date with Hayden this week
2: (laughs) if I don't win this it's a travesty
1: so John (laughs) that is entirely up to you now who won that bonus point
3: well it's a real close call (laughs) But I think I'm going to have to give it to Rob.
1: Right. Okay. So <laughs> finally. sweat doing that. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. It is 3-1 to Emma. Emma, you're still in the lead. You're still in the lead. And now we've come to that time again. So firstly, I wanted to say a big, big thank you to you, John. Honestly, I've taken away a lot of things today and I hope our listeners have to. No doubt they have. Back to the listeners now. If you have any questions, feedback, or want to suggest some topics for the next episode, please send them on to the GBB at se.com.
0: And you can find us on se.com, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher and Spotify.
2: And please don't forget to share, like and subscribe. And we'll catch you next month.
1: I hope we edit that out. Okay, goodbye, everyone.
0: (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) The content of this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The information, statements, views and opinions belong to our hosts and should not be construed as advice by Schneider Electric.